I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Hello, welcome to the podcast all the way from England. Perfect. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to the Line Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Alexander, and today I'm reporting to you live from the rainy kitchen. Well, the kitchen's not rainy, but looking outside, and it's still raining on um, the kitchen of the beautiful Vanessa, sweet, sweet lady that has kidnapped me and brought me out into the, the English countryside here, a little town called Fleet, about 30 minutes outside of London. And uh, we've been touring around, very stoked to get outside of the city, very stoked to explore England. If you get a chance to explore England, do it because it's beautiful. It is just, it's just a beautiful place. Minus the rain. <laughs> but it adds a certain a certain effect to it. Went over to Stonehenge. Stonehenge was uh, a little bit silly. Went over, some folks uh, originally wanted to walk up to it. That, that felt like the right decision. And then we got like hollered at, not allowed to walk up to Stonehenge. You got to pay all sorts of money, have like a tour guide, which is just so stupid. So we ended up having to walk away from the thing quite a bit, just getting rained on, looking at the rocks. I'm sure Stonehenge could be a lot more fantastic if a few variables got sorted out, like it was bright, sunny, and you were able to touch it. Um, what else happened? We went to the Windsor, Windsor Castle, biggest castle in Europe. The Queen of England was in there. That was quite nice. And I'm um, heading to Paris tomorrow. So that's that's pretty much the update with this trip. If you guys get a chance, if you're in Europe, uh, hit me up with, with uh, details, tips on how to get around this place. But I discovered Blah Blah Car. If you utilize Blah Blah Car, essentially it's ride share. I haven't used it yet. I, 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 I reserved a seat. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but ride share, people post rides up there post seats up you reserve a seat with somebody if you're into the ride that they're doing so it's costing me 16 pounds it's like 25 us dollars to get from london to paris and i'm okay with that that's pretty good it's like a five hour trip so that's the basic update i'm getting out of england gotta say i'm excited to make my way south and get out of this rain so that's the that's the haps on that uh, today in this episode, I chatted with Mr. Jay Papasan, the writer, or co co writer, co author of the book The One Thing. Uh, book's fantastic. Co wrote with uh, Gary Keller. You guys might be familiar with this, like a New York Times bestselling book. It's been it was number one on Wall Street Journal, U.S. Today. All this great, fantastic clout around it. Check it out. It helped me out quite a bit, and uh, quite enjoyed it. In this episode. We chatted about how to reduce stress, increase relaxation, more smiles on your face via making some more money or at least balancing your money, being in control of your finances. I think it's very important to look at this health bubble as bigger than just biceps and curls and calories. It's also how content are you with your career? Do you make enough money? Do you feel like you are, are, are in control of all that stuff? 
If you're not, likely gonna lead to stress. We got into it. You don't have to have money to have a lifestyle. Right. Um, there's a whole movement around that. But I'd rather have more than I need. Right. And so think big, how big can you think? And then just start methodically chipping away at it. Like. I don't know how old you are, but I started this journey in my 30s, and with a, you know, within a decade, my wife and I were multimillionaires. The number one takeaway I got was that the habit we needed to form as a family was knowing what our net worth was. Think the way millionaires think in order to do the things, and it's, it's getting it in the right order. So a lot of people go straight to the have. If I have all this stuff, I'll have a wealthy lifestyle, but it's very hard to keep that going. And you start up here in your head, if you start thinking like an investor or a millionaire, you'll start doing things differently. And then you'll look up one day, just like you described, and you'll have the income, hopefully passive, to go do a lot of those things. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. I'm sure you will. Be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com. A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, there's the blog and hundreds of free videos on self-care and functional movement. The self-care kit, which is a foam roller with a couple different size myofascial release balls, band, door anchor, all that stuff inside to keep your tissue moving fantastically. And comes along with a handy-dandy course video guide to show you how to use the thing and bring your self-care practice to the highest level possible. Alright, that's enough of that. Um, be sure to utilize the Amazon portal. That's very helpful. It's on the blog and the uh, podcast page on the right side. That helps out fund my trip, fund my life. I get a very small percentage of whatever the purchase you have. But if enough people purchase some crap, I will have a little bit of money to travel around this here Europe and Africa continents here. Um, I know there's other things. There's always other things. There's so much. Um, be sure to leave reviews, comments, subscribe, share, all that on the iTunes machine or Stitcher, wherever you listen to this at. I greatly appreciate that. It makes me incredibly grateful. I promise you, I'm almost get teary-eyed when people leave sweet comments for me. All right. Um, I think that might be it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Here we go, Mr. J. Papasan. Align Podcast. One of the things that I drive towards is actionable tips to make your life better. You know, mm -hmm. and so that could, I mean, that's way too general, obviously. But so make your life better being, you know, better movement, better nutrition. And I think finances are a big aspect of health that... We sometimes were kind of a little funny talking about that because then all of a sudden, like you're a superficial, you're a you know, <laughs> you're capitalist pig yeah. if you recognize that finances are important. But it's like no, that's actually kind of a big deal. It's a big it's a big source of stress for people. Right. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And it's a big uh, up to a certain point. It can be the number one detractor of our happiness. Right. So. Yeah. Money will cause happiness, but only to a very, very small degree. Right. Well, we're already started. Let's just go. What's What's your background with, what's your relationship to money? Did you come from, a, have you always had a little bit of scratch line around? Did you come from kind of like a rough beginning? No, or what, no I, it definitely has been a journey the last 15 years. Um, I took on more of an ownership mindset and an investor mindset. Yeah, um, that's a great idea. I helped Gary write a book called The Millionaire Investor. Nice. And we got to interview 120 people with a million dollars in net worth. Mm. And that was eye-opening for me. You know, I was just, you know, doing the interviews, reading the transcripts, completely changed my mindset about wealth. 
And so we've been on that journey writing about it and teaching about it for a long time. I teach a class on wealth building here in our office every year. That's really comparable to the the premise of Tony Robbins's, I think it's Money Matters book. Are you familiar with that at all? I've got it on my shelf. I have not read it yet. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, it's it's daunting because it's very Bible-like. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, I'll get to that for sure. <laughs> you know, the cliff notes first. Um, so with that, so you got to speak to these, you know, these these millionaires. What did you What did you gather from that? I'm sure so much, but like, can you kind of summate to a degree? Well, the the number one takeaway I got was that the habit we needed to form as a family was knowing what our net worth was. Um, any of those 120, you ask them, they knew what their net worth was. And I don't think a lot of people know what net worth is. Right. What the heck is it? (laughs) (laughs) You add up, I mean, the simplest way to say it is add up everything you own and subtract everything you owe. And what's left over is your value if you stopped working today. Right. And the examples, you look at some of the top execs, they don't list in Forbes what they make in salary. They list what their net worth is. Right. And so the moment you start focusing on that, you start paying attention to your cash, your cash reserves, the kinds of investments that go up in value versus down, and it changes a lot of your habits. So my wife and I check in on that. We used to do it every month. Now we try to do it every week. Right. Yeah. And you know, I think that tracking is such an important thing. So obviously my background is not finance. It's more movement and health and all that. Yeah. You know, but tracking, which I kind of mock tracking a lot because I think people get become too obsessed with the whole self-quantification thing and you end up becoming essentially like a, like a gizmo instead of a human being. It's like sometimes you got to let go. Uh, yeah. but, but at the same time, with that tracking, if you can track it, then it tends to go the direction that you want it to go. You tend to actually have a little bit of control of something almost as soon as you start to really put it down on paper. You know, is that the- something you see? It's a consciousness, right? I mean, if, uh, if you want to do behavior change anywhere, I think the first thing they do is make you track what you're already doing. Right. You want to quit smoking, the psychologist will tell you, well, just start for a week and write down how many cigarettes that you smoke. And almost everybody, the moment they start writing it down, starts smoking less. Right. And so I think it just makes it conscious. And that, to me, is the trick in tracking. Right. You know, I did it with my diet for a while. I was using, um, what is it, my fitness pal. Yeah. And I was recording all of my calories. And I did it for about three and a half months. And that's a lot of work. And, but by the end of it, it's like, okay, I knew which beers had the most calories so I could make a better choice there. And I got a sense of kind of what my caloric intake was until it, I stopped needing to add it up all the time. Yeah. And, and I think that might be the point. Yeah. So one of the things uh, I'm sure you're very familiar with Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad Poor oh, Dad yeah. and Cashflow Quadrant oh, yeah. and all that. So one of the things that he puts in there that I think is just fantastic, and I know you're familiar with the concept, is, is the concept of, of what are your liabilities versus what are your, what, what's the other thing it says? Liability, I'm, I'm spacing it all of a sudden. Liabilities versus resources, liabilities versus- Assets. Assets, yeah. So recognizing yes. what in your life, and this is, can be a metaphor for everything, you know, but what in your life is an asset? What's yep. adding to your net worth? And what is a liability where it might look shiny and nice, you know, it might impress people because you have the new Corvette or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But you're paying interest on that thing, you know, and oh, so yeah. it looks good on the outside, but that's a liability, man. Mortgage, you know, and oftentimes. It's, but it's also depreciating. And you talk about the car, right. it's a depreciating asset, right? It goes down in value. You drive it off the lot, the lot right. and what is it? You lose like a fifth of the new car's value the moment you drive it out of the lot. Right. And every month it goes down in value, where over time you buy a house, even if you have a liability, a mortgage against it, it typically does tend to go up. Right. Now, we just saw a recession that reversed that trend for some people, yeah. but for the most part, on the whole, people have 
seen that as an appreciating asset and good debt. So Keller Williams Realty, is that what it's called? You guys are like one of the biggest realty folks in the world. Is that right? Uh, we're number one in the world right now in Jesus. terms of agent count. Okay. So when I joined the company back in 2002, just spilled my water. Sorry, I was cleaning it up. That's great. Um, no, when I joined the company, there were 6,700 agents, and um, we weren't even in all 50 states. And so since 2000, we've grown now to 125,000 agents, and we're worldwide. Wow. Yeah, so pretty big company, but it, we still have a pretty small kind of startup mentality around here. So I'm curious for folks. So my whole... You know, like we mentioned in the beginning, it's like health goes well beyond just yes. you know, how many push-ups you're doing or whatever. Like finance is a big, big part of that degree of stress in your life, you know. And so for folks, my goal for all my listeners is for them to be, you know, happy, <laughs> whatever, whatever that equates to. For me, happiness is doing exactly what I want to be doing when I want to be doing it. You know, not confined to someone else's schedule, not confined to spinning someone else's wheels and just being a cog in the system. To me, that's very demoralizing, you know, and it feels like just what, why don't I just move to some island somewhere and like start a coconut? Like that would be, that would make more sense. You yeah. know, so coming off of the recession or, or hopefully we are, you know, do you have any suggestions maybe like real estate realm or just like for folks to kind of like get back on the horse or you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think there's three kinds of people. Like I identify with your vision of the world. I think there are people that are entrepreneurs, um, I think that there are people who are most comfortable in an employment situation. They want the security, sure. right? Yeah. There's the, on one end of the spectrum is security, the other end is freedom. Right. And then there's a rare class that I think most people call them entrepreneurs that want to be entrepreneurial but within the safety of kind of a salaried environment. Right. And I think you need to first know who you are. Yeah. Um, everyone can do a better job with their finances. And I usually just say it all starts with awareness. So I already said net worth. Track your net worth. Okay. It's easy to do, right? So add up your assets, subtract your liabilities, and that's just the universal language. And start tracking that number, and a lot of things will change. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, the recipe is real simple. You got to start living on less than you earn. <laughs> and it doesn't really matter how much income you make. I think that one of the things that people think they need to make a lot of income in order to be wealthy right. and have a wealthy lifestyle. And I think Tim Ferriss has done a great job of saying you don't have to have money to have a lifestyle. Right. Um, there's a whole movement around that, but I'd rather have more than I need. Right. And so think big, how big can you think? And then just start methodically chipping away at it. Like, I don't know how old you are, but I started this journey in my thirties mm -hmm. and with a, you know, within a decade, my wife and I were multimillionaires wow. and for the first we became <laughs> millionaires where our household income, the both of our salaries did not exceed a hundred thousand mm. dollars. And what we did is we lived very small. Right? We made a game of, well, do we really need cable? Right? Can we keep driving these cars, right, with no payments right. and invest the difference? Right. You know, I don't love brown bagging my lunch. It's a healthier alternative than fast food, but it's also a heck of a lot cheaper. <laughs> right? Make a good cup of coffee, even if it's French press at home, instead of going to Starbucks every day. And those dollars add up a lot faster than most people imagine. Yeah. So that to me is the kind of the magic formula for kind of getting on the right side of money. You know, start with the right measure. It's net worth, not income. Right. Live on less than you earn. And then just kind of make it a game instead of something that's deprivation-based, right? Because over time, you'll look up and you go, wow, we actually have our savings has gotten so big 
we can actually start now indulging in a few things that we wouldn't have done before. Right, man, I love it. And I think it's such a cool thing because the stuff that you're saying is accessible to everyone. You know, you don't need to be a multimillionaire to buy French press. No. <laughs> and, you know, and save oh. the $5 on an espresso from it's wherever. It's the cost of like three coffees at Starbucks. <laughs> right. You can get something that makes amazing coffee every time. And it probably takes you less time than it takes to wait in line at Starbucks. Right. And not to plug Kiyosaki, you know, too much. I'm not affiliated with him, whatever, but uh, I'd love, right. love to have him on the show. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he... Yeah, just put that out there. Yeah, exactly. Robert. So, uh, you know, one of his game, it's like Monopoly, but for, for cash flow, it's like financial freedom or something. I don't remember what the name of it the is. The rat race. Isn't it that's the rat what race? it is. It's the rat race. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And so that, the, whole, the whole point of that is to get yourself to the point where your passive income is exceeding your expenses, you know? So now like that vacation to Tahiti or the, you know, the, the, the Corvette that you want to get, which I don't know why I keep referencing. I don't like Corvettes very much. New ones are kind of nice. It's uh, one of those cars that people obsess over. Right. So I, got, I know where you're going. Right. So what's your passive flow, the, th- the, you know, the money that would come in regardless of whether you got out of bed or not, starts to get to that point where you can make that purchase, mm-hmm. get that Corvette. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there what we go. end up doing is we get to what we get do is we get to the end of the month. It's like, okay, here's what I got, here's what I earned, here's I gotta pay for the, the mortgage or the rent or whatever. And I really want to get this thing. But what you could have done is you could have compounded that money. You could have put that money into something that will become like a soldier, you know, yes. to create more soldiers. Eventually you have this financial soldier factory. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's this thing and you're, you're tapping into like a really big concept and I've, it's been said a lot of different ways. Like in um, our coaching company, we say be, do, have. But what we mean is a lot of people want to have the things that wealthy people have. Yeah. Um, but they aren't always willing to do the things that it took to get them or think the way millionaires think in order to do the things. And it's, it's getting it in the right order. So a lot of people go straight to the have. Right. If I have all this stuff, I'll have a wealthy lifestyle, but it's very hard to keep that going. And you start up here in your head. If you start thinking like an investor or a millionaire, you'll start doing things differently. And then you'll look up one day, just like you described, and you'll have the income, hopefully passive, to go do a lot of those things. And it's just getting it in the right order. And it's it's a our culture doesn't breed a lot of patience. Um, We have a lot of consumerism out there. I see what I love about the millennials is they're not they don't seem to be as interested in stuff. And that's right. cool. They're, yeah. they're much more about purpose, I think. Right. Um, but I think that you can, I mean, just living free from debt and worry about money. I mean, the, the research that I read, and we were kind of talking about this earlier, I think that um, when a household gets about $75,000 a year, that's twice, I think, the median income in America, they no longer fight about money. Hmm. Yeah. It's like that exactly. idea, the stress of can we make payments? Can we pay for college? Right. Around seventy five thousand a year, it goes away for almost everyone. Yeah, totally. And after that, there's no positive impact. So you just want to get to a place at the minimum where you feel secure about money, and then you can start being abundant with it. Sure. And that's you know, so something that I'm in the process of doing right now is potentially buying uh, my first house. Yeah. Which is uh, really scary because I happen to live in Bend, Oregon, and we came off of you know the recession and things just crashed. And then yeah. people made a whole bunch of money because they, you know, people that bought the houses that were going for foreclosure, now it's like the highest it's ever been. 
but I have an opportunity to get a place, and I'm like, yep. oh, I think it's going to keep going up. There's a college coming here, da 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 da, you know. And and I'd like to be generating, you know, having equity and putting something, investing towards that. My sense is that in ten years, it's going to be worth a lot more, no matter what. But statistically, I don't know. You're, I'm not an expert in your market. Hopefully, you'll work with someone who is right, right? a realtor that specializes in investing. But here's my criteria: like, if I could go back in time, I would have bought our first house like an investor. My wife and I bought our first house and the advice was buy the most you can in the best neighborhood. Oh. Right? It's sometimes for it. And the first time high buyer, uh, home buyer, it's like the worst house in the best neighborhood. Right. And that doesn't always work out right. Right. We got lucky. We bought went in kind of the DMZ in a transitional neighborhood in Austin that was near downtown. And that neighborhood gentrified and bailed us out. Mm. But then we moved to our next house and kept that as a rental. And the next house we bought in an estate sale, we got it way below value. And instead of selling it to buy the next one, we moved out of it into our current home. And now we had two rentals behind us. Right. And in the meantime, you know, every two years with a homestead exemption, you can buy the house, right? And then when you sell it, you're exempt from the capital gains. But that kind of buy and move up. If I could go back in time, I would have bought a duplex. I would have gone back and had two streams of income. Because I could have then qualified for more house because the rented other half would have been income for me. Right. If it was renting for $1,000 a month, that's $12,000 in income that I qualify for more house on. Yeah. Now you've got a bigger house that's appreciating with the market. Right. And then when you leave, guess what you have behind you? Not one, but two streams of income. Right. And it's a lot easier to cash flow a duplex than it is a single family home. But single family homes tend to appreciate a little bit better. Yeah. So, I mean, just starting with the right mentality, even in a tough market, if you buy it and say, I want to rent this thing and I want to buy a house I can rent in two or three years, you can find that property. It just may be hard to find. Yeah. And so what I found with talking to folks that are way more knowledgeable than myself, such as yourself, you know, it's <laughs> like for, for folks listening right now, anything I say in regards to finances, don't listen to it <laughs> unless Jay confirms. There we go. <laughs> Well, you know what? It's a short journey. Like, it's funny. I, I think I shared, like, when I started researching that book, um, that would have been 2004. I still was thinking, just like everybody else, I want to make a lot of income if I can, yeah. and I will have a great lifestyle. Yeah. And that totally changed it. And I think it was less than five years that my wife and I went from very, very mediocre. I mean, we had no, our net worth the first time, we measured it, I think it was $2,000, and we were counting a Tercel that had 80,000 miles on it. Nice. We were so generous. <laughs> but we had done one thing. We didn't have credit card debt, and we had paid off our colleges. Right, that's big. So we had that in our favor. Yeah. Um, but we had no assets at all. Yeah. We were renting. I was trying to find out if you could count a furniture as an asset, which you should not, okay. right, unless it's an antique. <laughs> Noted. But you just having these conversations, we would go to dinner. You know, you're social. We didn't have kids. And I would say, hey, we're thinking about buying a rental property. Do you know anybody that's done that? My wife would like kick me under the table if I didn't say it. And we found out that almost everyone we knew, like, I mean, there was like out of every three or four couples, whatever, one of them already had an investment property. Mm. And you're like, holy crap, they're all around me. And because I never talked about it, I never had a chance to learn from them. Right. And they're like, oh, I had a condo when I was in college, but I just kept it as a rental or whatever their story was. Maybe my parents passed away or my grandmother passed away. We got our house and instead of selling it, we rented it. Yeah, awesome. And that's a really cool thing. You'll, if you start keep these conversations going, it is a little bit like a, young couples with babies, all the ignorant people teaching the ignorant people how to raise babies. Right, exactly. But 
you're still having the conversations and you're learning from each other's mistakes instead of just from your own. Right. Or ideally, you find that couple, the Mormon couple, that's had 15 kids. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they know about babies. <laughs> My wife doesn't remember this, the poor lady. We had two kids uh, 16 and a half months apart. So not quite Irish twins, but we still had two in diapers and it was tough. And I remember we're hanging out with all these people who had new babies in our neighborhood. And we're talking about nap time and all these troubles. And then she went and had a play date with a lady that had three kids already. Mm. And they were already outnumbered, right? It was three to two. There was no way. They had to play zone defense. And she goes, it was so different at their house. It goes, I'm never taking advice from someone with just one kid again. The big models for parenting are the people, like you just said, that have a lot of kids. They've already figured out that the kids can kind of take care of themselves a lot more than you think. They're not... Um, indestructible, but they're a lot less fragile than new parents think they are. And so, yeah, right. go to someone with a bigger model and talk to them. And that's where, you know, your, your ideas start getting bigger. You know, so when you are hanging around a bunch of people that haven't, they're not in good health, they haven't made much money, they have, their relationships suck, whatever the, the thing that you're seeking advice for is, you know, oftentimes it's because there are, there are, there are, it's, he's my bro, dude, he's my bro. You know, it's like, <laughs> you, you need to talk to somebody else other than your bro about this. <laughs> You know? Well, there's the famous Jim Rohn quote, and um, my friend Jeff Wood started a podcast based on this. Um, he calls it the Mentee Podcast, if you've ever heard it. But he, um, the Jim Rohn quote is something like, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Bingo. And he looked up and thought, holy crap, I've got to get a better five. Right. Right? We have a lot of fun, but I'm not advancing. They're not going to advance my career, my wealth, my health. Like he asked those questions and he wasn't hanging out with the right five and he got very purposeful about it. Right. And that's a huge aha. I mean, you just said my bro, and that was very funny, but you're hitting on a really, really hard truth is that we have to look around. We can still love the people that we call our friends and family and we don't have to bring judgment to that. Right. But we can start consciously maybe having coffee with people that we wouldn't think that we would fit with. You know, and hey, you know, I look up to you. I think that you have a healthy marriage or that I love that you've built a business. Would you mind just having coffee with me once a month? I would love to ask you questions and I just promise that I'll go do what you say. That's it. And a mentor, if you tell them I'll go do what you say and I might fail 90% of the time, they don't care. They just care that you're actually listening. Yes, not arguing for your own limitations and are going to try and they'll mentor you. Right. And that's, you know, that's something that I witness with seeking people out and as well with people, you know, people, again, don't seek me out for financial advice, but for, for body work, to learn how to work with the body. When I see someone that's fresh out of massage school or they're into personal training or whatever it may be, and they're interested, they're genuinely interested in what I'm doing. I'm so excited to talk about it because I'm alone in my office, you know, (laughs) and so, you know, that's, that's like, you know, that represents a lot of people that are crushing it in whatever realm, you know, the financial realm. If you genuinely are excited about learning about what they have to say and you're taking notes, people want to help. Yeah. And they, they probably were in a similar place. It's not like everybody came out of the womb and had rich dad for their you know right right? most of us had mediocre role models right we didn't weren't born with silver spoons so the people who actually made it they had to go through this journey too and they sympathize yeah so that's perfect so for actionable advice number one 
You are the average of the five people you spend most time with. Start asking people that you respect or you want to follow their lead. Invite them out to coffee. Buy them lunch. Whatever it takes, it's worth the $15 investment. Right. Oh, yeah. And chances are they'll pick up the tab, especially if you're <laughs> right. getting financial advice from them. Right. Right. right exactly. So show up in your best shirt and it's not iron. So it makes you look like you can't afford the dry cleaning, whatever it right. is. But they bring a notebook and take a lot of notes. Right. Totally. Um, and I think people are flattered. Um, I started a habit. I wasn't um, the number one thing I decided I could do for our business. I'm in multiple businesses. Um, we have a real estate investing business. We have a real estate sales company. I'm part of a private equity company. I have a publishing company and I work as an executive in a real estate company. And I realized the number one thing I could do is network with people. I'm an author. So people will tend to say yes if I say let's go have coffee and build talent. When people, you start the conversation was, you know, hey, Aaron, I heard that you're really talented at this. You know, so-and-so said that you're really talented. I would love to learn a little bit about that. Would you mind meeting me for coffee? People love hearing, hey, I, I think... I think up of you or I think well of you. I think you look, you're awesome at this. You're really good or I hear you're good at it. They love hearing that flattery and it's not flattery for flattery's sake, but it makes them really inclined to say yes. Right. So people don't need to be afraid to ask. You're actually flattering them by even asking them. Exactly, yeah. So <clears throat> seeking out people for advice and mentorship, uh, hanging around folks that are above whatever level you're at and then being aware of you know the little nonsense expenses that you're constantly throwing away what else do you think led you from tercel to multi-millionaire there we go um the here's a tip on the tracking um i use a free app called mint are you familiar with mint i utilize mint it sends me reports every week <laughs> well, there you go right so one of the things if you look at your accounts at the very bottom it'll either be a positive number or a negative number if you have everything in there properly that's your net worth by the way uh-huh and my wife and i when we were first starting the journey we had an excel spreadsheet we had four or five rental properties and we had to call every mortgage every month to get the balance to know how much we owe it was a total pain in the butt right so mint is free It'll not only track your net worth, but it'll track your spending too. Yeah. And so there's free tip on how to start getting more aware of your financial habits. Yeah. Awesome. And then, uh, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I avoided your question to go back and give that free tip. Yeah. But um, I'd say if people are really intent on um, bettering their financial journey, you know, I said you have to think like a millionaire first. So I would go out and go to the bookstore. Um, chances are, if you spend a little time in the business section, there's someone who's browsing it. Just ask them, what are your favorite financial books? Right. I mean, I think you probably have a list. I know I have a list. Sure. And go to the classics yeah. and read them a little bit like an education. And they're not as boring as you'd think they are. Right. I thought it was going to be horrible when I started reading these books. But some of them are actually very well written and entertaining. Right. But I started to think and see things a lot clearer. Right. Awesome, man. Yeah, so one of my books that I think is kind of like cheesy and you look at it and it's like covered in mold because it's so old, you know, is Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You oh, know? it's a classic. Yeah, and you read it, you're like, you're like, oh, whatever, I already know how to win friends, I'm popular. And you read it and it's just, it's just jewels. You know, yeah. all those things, again, getting into when you have a good, when you come in, you know, armed to the teeth, you know, with your preparation of just how to relate to people. When you do have that meeting with said person, you know, and you do the tea or the coffee or whatever it is, you know, you've already laid the foundation, you know, and, and it's like superstars, you know, musicians, whatever it may be, they think like, wow, overnight success, amazing. And then you talk to that person, and you're like, 
Overnights, I've been at this for 15 years. Yep. <laughs> now you know about me because of that one thing that I've been preparing for 15 years. <laughs> this The whole idea of overnight success, I think it happens and we pay a lot of attention to it because it does happen. People do win the lottery, but that's not how most people get there. And the story of how most people get there is actually kind of boring. It just looks like overalls and hard work. Right. And so I think that, you know, I don't know. Going back to the, how to win f- friends and influence people, I remember when I was reading that book, I had two parts of my brain that were going off. One was, this is awesome. Right. And there are other parts going, this is so antiquated. This is so old. Right. And is this still valid? Right. And I think a lot of classics, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think some people get turned off with some of it. But like he wrote Cashflow Quadrant. He wrote three or four books that are really solid. Yeah. And you just have to look past the stuff that's hokey. Yes, and say, exactly. what are, what are the yeah. lessons? Because that's what you're reading it. This is not a novel. This is not something you take to the beach necessarily. Right. But once a month, you know, make a commitment. I'm going to read one book or listen to it on audio right. and try to say, what are the lessons that I can learn from this? Yeah, yeah I found uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad to be incredibly redundant and, yes. valu- and valuable. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You know, it's like, okay, I've read this sentence probably 19 times now, but like, it still makes sense, I guess. <laughs> you know? Well, here's the trick that I've learned. Because I, if you, you looked at my office, I bet there's 500 business books in here right now. Yeah. And I make a goal to at least read one a week. Cool. And so that's like, you know, I'm a writer. So that's got to be one of my core things. Like you probably work out a lot more than I do. Working right? out right that, now. There you go. <laughs> um, but you start, uh, most business books will give you the big idea in the first 20 pages. And very quickly, if you make a habit of reading them, you'll know which ones have more to offer and which ones you can stop and say, got the big idea. Right. And appreciate them for that alone. And for 10, 15 bucks, that's a great investment. Yeah. Yeah. And so the reason that I wanted to have you on today, and I'm super grateful that you are here and, you know, just thank you, you know, is because the one thing after reading that, there was one of those ones where before I got it, I was like, I probably already got this, you know, yeah. I probably, you know, I've read enough of these books. Like, but like, all right, I'll check it out. You know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a pretty fast read and I got through it and I got so much out of it. Oh, and, cool. You know, and it's, it's, Cause there's nothing new in it. I mean, I'll be the right. first to say, but we it's, were looking it's backwards at history. Yeah. Right. But it's, we put it together maybe in a new way, but it's, it's very much the fundamental stuff. Right. Um, I, you're interviewing me, but can I ask you, what was your number one takeaway from the book? What was the thing that stuck with you? Probably, the, you probably, prob- no, it's fine. Probably the title of the book, you know, it just, yeah. just really, really focusing. It's very, very easy to be a jack of all trades. You know, it's very, very like, that's easier actually. You know, one of the, one of the quotes that I like, I forget who this is from, but you know, it's like drill your hole an inch wide and a mile deep, you know? Mm-hmm. So really focusing in on something you know, it doesn't matter if you're like a like a cockroach salesman or whatever. You'd be like underwater basket weaver. It's like if you are the best at that thing, you will have people that are interested in it. You know, Absolutely. and you and you are gonna be the best when you try to be the best at like fitness. I'm the best at fitness. It's like what does that <laughs> what does that mean? You're competing with billions or millions. You know, right. it's like when you start to narrow down your scope a little bit, that's when people start really paying attention. That's kind of what I took away from it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be the best guy at doing, you know, fingertip push-ups, but it's something really specific. And now you know exactly what you have to do to say that you're the best. Right. You come up with your measure. Right. Um, so I think if, 
you're talking about actionable, actionable ideas for yeah. your listeners, and I love that you go there. It's not knowledge for knowledge's sake; it's knowledge for doing sake, That's and I'm hundred percent on that. Yeah. So of some of the ideas we've thrown out, maybe it's reading, right? A habit of thinking, right? Learning to think like a millionaire. Maybe it's tracking your net worth. Maybe it's going and finding mentors. One of the, my biggest takeaways from the five-year journey of writing the book was that when you figure out your one thing, right? This is the thing I'm, I'm going to target to change in my life in order to have a better future. Make it a habit. Mm. Yeah. And another way of saying one thing is make a stand for something. Make a stand for something in your financial life. So what is that going to be? And then if you just focus on that one thing, instead of trying to do all of this stuff, you'll be a lot more likely to succeed. And once you've done with it, people look up and find that they're doing the other stuff without focusing on it. Right. Exactly. So, so how, well, first, so re reconfirming actionable tips, you know, books is a big thing. Cause like, so you, I didn't realize you spent five years putting that book together. You know, oh, yeah. that, that's, that's a big deal. You know, you can go out and buy that book for, I don't know how much it what was it like 13, 15 bucks or something. I don't know what it costs. On, on Amazon it is. Yeah. It's 24 95 or something, but it's always like 14 bucks on Amazon. Right. <laughs> Those bastards. You know, and so, you know, they pay me the same either way. I don't know how they oh, make oh, perfect. Sometimes. Yeah. They're oh, interesting yeah. with how they, they determine the, the value of stuff. But, um, you know, so it's like, so Jay put five years into this thing, you know, and he, you were able to step into his brain, you know, for, for the, the 12 hours that it takes you to read that book, you're able to step into a mentorship for 20 bucks. There's somebody who said that, you know, my, my best mentors are like all dead people. Right. And I can't remember where this came from. It's someone else's like dialogue. And then the guy asked, well, what do you mean? And he goes, look at my bookshelves. Anytime I want, I can talk to Einstein, I can talk to Voltaire, right. I can talk to all of these amazing people, and they're there at my disposal whenever I want them. Right. And so that attitude of you know, going to a book, I mean, the one thing I love that you got a lot out of it, Gary and I certainly put, I mean, that was two people and two researchers working for five years. Wow. So it was like a, a huge project, and hopefully people will be able to take something from that. But I, mean, I look at my shelves, and we've already talked about Rich Dad, Poor Dad for the wealth building. There's a book called The Automatic Millionaire. I remember the one thing I took out of that book was this idea called The Latte Factor. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. I, that's on my to-do list of books to read, actually. Well, not, go buy it. But okay. here's one of the big ideas. He just said that whole idea that I made, don't go buy Starbucks. Because if you took that $5 times 250 workdays a year, right? that habit of you know that luxury item, and you invested it instead, right. in like 18 years, you'd be a millionaire. Yeah, absolutely. And so little things add up if you do the same thing over and over again. Right. And that's one of the themes of our book. We call it lining up your dominoes, right? And, right? and get a geometric domino run. And compound interest is my favorite form of geometric domino run. Yeah, yeah. as long as you can look back you know, and say, if, you have, if you've been tracking it, you can look back. You look back yeah. a year ago and say, like, am I doing better? You know, am I, at a, am I at a higher place than I was last year? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, that's great. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, on, you're on a good path. You know, and that's the thing with, with compound effect. You know, Albert Einstein called compound effect one of the, the wonders of the world. You know, right. because it's so powerful. You know, and Tony Robbins, get back to him, he, he, he uses the analogy of it's like a golf swing. At first, the ball, golf go, ball goes fairly straight, and then it makes a dramatic shift in course. That's compound yeah. interest. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, that's the that's the thing. 
Well, there's the old story, and I remember my writing partner, Gary, told it to me. I was the first person I heard it, and we put it in The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. And it's this idea of this um, guy, he's haggling for his pay, and the guy offers him a month's salary, and he says, no, how about you pay a penny, me a penny the first day and just double it every day? Right. And the guy doesn't think about it, and he says, absolutely, I'll do the penny a day. Right. But at the end of 30 days, starting with a penny doubled, right? That's compounding at, at 100%. How, how big does it get? Do you remember? It's huge. Yes. It's $11 million. <laughs> right. <laughs> in just 30 trips. So right. most of us are going to be compounding. Like I want my investments to be working at the 15 to 25%. Right. And a lot of residential real estate, if you invest in it properly, can perform that way. Right. Stocks be 8 to 12%. And if you're really good, I think probably higher. That's not my specialty. But when you get above about 12%, it compounds at a rate that your money's going to double like every five to six years. Yeah. And that creates a huge wave behind you, and time will do wonders for you. Yeah. And something that I, uh, an app that I've downloaded for my Chrome, my Google Chrome on my, on my computer, <laughs> is an app called Momentum. I believe, okay. I believe it's momentum. And what it, what it is is, firstly, it, it gives you a beautiful photo of some beautiful place every day. Every time you, you open up a tab, is this beautiful uh -huh. photo. And then it, in the middle, it asks you, what is the one thing that you can do? What's the one thing you, you want to achieve today or something like that? And then you type it in every single day. And oh, what that's that, cool. It's very cool, you know, and so that kind of adds into, it is that the domino effect. You know, where can you pick out the one domino that will cause the rest of the dominoes to fall. You know, so I'm curious for you, is that something that you, that you do? And if so, what was your domino of today? What's your domino of the week? Like what's, what's, what are you shooting for? Well, um, financially or in, just in general? In, in general, maybe whatever. Well, since we've been talking about finances, I think I told you like the thing that my wife and I changed first was we made a stand around tracking our net worth. And it was a lot of work in the beginning. And I actually think that Mint, as good as it is, if you don't pay a little attention and look at it, you won't get as much because I had to manually create it. I had to look up my bank account. I had to look at all of those things and become aware of my spending. Right. Um, that was huge for us. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a big one. Today, my one thing, um, I'm a writer. So there's a period of time every day where I try to write. And I know that if I'm writing every day, and sometimes I'm trying and failing, that's just life, yeah. but that's my momentum builder, right? I'm in the content game. If I can create new content, um, I'll have something to promote later. I and mean, that's what I'm doing with you right now. I have an opportunity right. for us to talk about the books I've written, right. and I block time for that as well. Right. And if you focus on those core activities that drive everything else, I mean, I can trace everything back to the books, Yeah. right? My right. networking, right? I have my networking habit on Wednesday mornings. I try to meet with someone new every Wednesday morning. Right. And that's my talent habit. Well, right. writing the books made that a lot easier. Yeah. And so that's the question at the heart of the one thing, right? What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything will be easier or necessary? And for me, that answer is books. So I just focus on making that happen. And everything else kind of falls into place. And so that gets into, in the book, you, you call it the four thieves, I think it was. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and so that gets into that. You know, it's like, all right, I need to drive my energy towards the most effective domino. Okay. Right. So I have this briefcase of thousand dominoes here. You know, how do I choose between that? And how do I not get sucked in by utilizing these 400 dominoes? And then by the time I get to the one that would really make a difference, I'm all out of gas. 
Oh yeah. So so with that, are there some techniques that you utilize in order to maintain energy for what you actually need energy for? Um, well, for me, when I know what my one thing is, I try to do it early in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like between eight and ten o'clock, most of the world is either still asleep or on Facebook. Right. And so there's not a lot of demands on your time, right? Right. Um, I don't want to go straight into my email. So we call it time blocking, but really it's just making an appointment with myself every day to do it. Yeah. I've got four or five really keystone habits in my life that I've made appointments that are just show up and I know to do it. Right. You know, three days a week we have a trainer show up at our house at 5.30. And that forces me to get out of bed at 5.10 mm. so I can be able to go sweat in my driveway with you know my wife, right. um, but that keeps a lot of the health things going. That's great. You know, I come to the office, I do a little bit of clearing the decks, and then as quickly as I can, I have my writing time block. Awesome. But in the, I just say, make an appointment with yourself, put it on your calendar, and it immediately will take you. I want to say three times as likely to do it. So I'll share. This is kind of a fun study. They were trying to get people to do twenty minutes of exercise every day, mm. and they had the control group, and they were just told to do it. They had a motivation group. And they read a little pamphlet every day that said, if I do 20 minutes of cardio, I'll have a better sex life, I'll be, have more energy, I'll do better work, all those things, right? And the last group had to read that same pamphlet every day and they had to do one other thing. They had to commit on this day, at this time, at this place, I will do 20 minutes of cardio. They had to write that down. That sounds a lot like a calendar invite to me. Right. The first two groups, 33 to 35% of them did it. Yeah. The group that had the intention that had to make the invite, 95% of them did 20 minutes of cardio a day. Awesome. So it's so simple. So make an appointment with yourself. Identify your one thing. Make an appointment with yourself to do it. And once that's running, that's where the four thieves come in for me. Yeah. You know, do you know how to say no to people when they try to get into your time block? Right. Can yeah. you handle the chaos that piles up around you when you're doing your one thing? Right. Those are the two big ones for me. Yeah. Most people don't know how to say no because they want to make everybody happy. Right. And a lot of people who are really focused on one thing, they look up and they see those little fires burning and they can't leave them unattended. Yeah, exactly. And that comes into outsourcing. You know, if you're, oh, yeah. sur- if you're surrounded by burning fires, maybe get an assistant. You know, virtual maybe, assistant even. <laughs> virtual right? assistant. Oh yeah, it's a big deal. You know, and it, it's like it, there's the get onto Odesk or get onto. There's so many different options out there. You know, of like how to put out all these fires and what that does as well is it by spending money on someone else doing something that you could be doing, you value your time that much more. All of a sudden, it's not just oh free time, whatever. It's like. No, 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 no. It's like I this time cost me whatever, $15 for this hour. You know, I'm uh-huh. going to make this happen. You know, cuz my time's worth more than that. You know, but you I think that's it. that's a big thing is that we start to really recognize that we don't need to do everything. Uh, my first big lesson, I had a lot of hang-ups with it was mowing the yard. We had our kids and I still felt like to be a good husband, you know, the macho dad, I had to go out in the Texas heat and mow the, our yard. It took like four hours to mow and trim it. And after being out in the 100 degree heat, I would come in and collapse for like two hours. Right. And my wife's finally like, Jay, you know, we work really hard. That is a, you know, $20 an hour job. Right. Right. The, we can get this yard mowed by professionals for less than 50 bucks. Right. And we lose you for like six hours every weekend. So let's start making that trade-off and buying our time back. Right. And we've started doing that a little bit and a little bit more. As long as you don't substitute, oh, I'm going to watch football games, right? 
you can make more money than a lot of these tasks. You'd still have to go make the money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I don't want to take too much of your time. Is it, are we okay to have like 10 minutes or so? Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, let's get your final questions in. Awesome. I, I'm good for that. Awesome, man. I really appreciate it. You know, so, so we got now, it's now we're now outsource, you know, protect your time, you know, create time blocks. You know, once you write it down, same thing with tracking your income, track your schedule, it becomes yep. real. At five o'clock, I take a nap. <laughs> you know, like it's in the schedule. Five thirty. I want to play with my puppy. You know, it's like it cannot be disturbed. No, is you there? Know, go on. Yeah, those more. I always always look when you study really successful people. A lot of them start their day with a really great trajectory. A lot of people are reading in the morning. They're exercising in the morning. They're starting with a healthy breakfast before eight or nine o'clock. They've gotten most of the important stuff done. And a lot easier to have breakfast as a family than it is to have dinner as a family in a lot of households. Right. So you can still get that FaceTime with your kids before they go off to school. So yeah, time block it. Um, that's a huge, huge portion of it. And I just want to add the one element. If you can, try to make it happen in whatever your morning is. If you work from midday to midnight, well, then midday is your morning. Right. But early on when you have the most energy is you're most likely to do it. Yeah. And is there, because I have all sorts of little tips that I think are important, but I don't you know, mine are irrelevant. I keep thinking like, oh, what no, about, what you're about, living some of this. You know, Fire away. Well, no, I want, I, we got 10 minutes Jerry. Okay. You know, so I, I was going to say gratitude is a big thing, you know, to yeah. add into the morning, you know, as, as far as adding wealth and also giving back, you know, it's like if you give away a hundred dollars, very, very likely you'll get 110 back. Yeah. You know, but but I I don't want I don't want to lead you anywhere. I'm curious. Well, as gratitude as, is one of ours. Oh, it's right. one, if you when I show people my calendar, um, in the book on 14, we have the seven areas of your life where you need to be asking, what's my one thing? Yeah. And, be no, and know what it is. Right. And it starts with your health. Um, you know, it's your personal relationships. It's your, your personal time, your job, your finances, all the big categories. Yeah. Well, the one thing we decided to do as our family a few years back is we already were having dinner as a family. We actually made a stand. We read some research that families that ate together the kids were less likely to do drugs. They made better grades. There's something about turning the TV off and actually everybody having some face time. So very early on, we kind of said, without even being conscious of it being a one thing, we made that happen. So I remember when we looked up, we'd written the book, and my wife and I were talking, gratitude showed up, and we started reading about it. Yeah. And people who are grateful, they have lower rates of depression. Um, they have higher rates of joy and happiness and satisfaction. And it's really about just focusing on every day you probably have something to be grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm walking into our building and I said, it's a great day. And he says, sure is. Every day I wake up on this side of the ground is a great day. Right. At least there's that every single day. Yeah. And so we sit down with our kids and I just say, what's the one thing you're grateful for today? Yeah. And like my son will go Xbox right. and my daughter will say our puppy, you know, but at least it built a habit of whether it's not even a religious thing it's just a, a grateful thing right and i think that's I, th I think it was in your book as well where you said move from the e to to p i believe it was entrepreneurial to purpose you know and right. I, think th I think that that's something that we need to recognize is like burnout factor in entrepreneurs i'm sure is really high i don't know what these statistics but I'm, i bet you it's high you know and it's because we put so much energy into you know that the, the, the almighty dollar you know it's like oh we got to get the return you know what's the what's the roi we got to you know that not work but if you have your personality and your passion and your purpose invested in what you're doing that's a hearty foundation 
mm-hmm. right? You know, that's a huge thing. You know, so, so is there anything else as far as the path towards multimillionaire? Not that, you know, everybody wants that, but like what, what, <laughs> what, what, what I mean, I think everybody does, but if you, if you feel like it's out of your sight, you're like, I well, don't I care think about that. <laughs> we define financial wealth as having the passive income to finance your life mission. That's it. Right. So if that's $2 a day and right. your mother Teresa, you're good. Right. Exactly. Or it could be, I got to be Bill Gates because I'm going to eradicate malaria. Right. right. Whatever your life mission is, you get to decide. Yeah. Success is what you want. And most people define success by what other people expect of them. And that's a, a whole other podcast, right? To get beyond that. Right. But get clear about what you want to have happen. And then you need, come on, the reality is you need enough money right? Hopefully passive income from your investment so that you can just focus on your life mission. And for some people, it's like, I just want to be the best awesome grant I can be. And some people are out there to cure cancer, but it's your choice. So I think you just find out what it is you want from this life and then ask the question, what would it take financially for me to feel really comfortable being able to give that as much time as I want to give it? And when you have that answer, work for that. And now you're motivated. Right. So something that I was intending on asking earlier in reference to talking to people that know more about, you know, global economy than I do, you know, yeah. is because, <laughs> because the global economy has an impact on your local economy, you know? And so I've been talking to some people because I'm, you know, in the market to buy this house and such, and people are talking about China and currency and the stock market and oil. And do you have any sense of the direction that things are going in the United States? Is that like a crazy question? Um, no, we have to do that as part of our research. We do it twice a year. We really dig in with, a, with some full-time staff economists and stuff. Yeah. Um, we definitely, as the world is flat, it impacts us. Um, in terms of the real estate market here, it's going to impact us mostly in terms of form of interest rates. Mm-hmm. And ironically, bad things happening overseas will be good for us in the short term and that they'll keep interest rates down. Huh. Lower interest rates make homes more affordable, whether your income's rising or not. And the easy formula to remember is for every one point in the interest rate on a normal 30-year loan that goes up or down, it's the equivalent of 10% of the home's price cost in your monthly cost. So if it goes up 1% from 4% loan to 5% loan, every month when you're writing out your payments, it's 10% more. So if it went up two points, it would cost that same house would cost 20% more. So it has, it's the biggest factor. And so when I look at the world news, I, I zone a lot of it out. I focus on what's going to impact our interest rates, what's going to impact our employment. Because honestly, employment and wages is the foundation of all of our economy. And if you just keep tabs on that, you'll have a sense for which way things are going. Like Austin's hot right now, right. literally hot. <laughs> and there's like 70 people moving here you know, every month and forming new households because there's jobs here. Right. And when you have pressure, the home, pro- everything looks good. I don't know what it's like where you are, but if you watch that, it'll, t- you'll start to see that there's a trend behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Ben is blowing the freak up. We have like, we're creating, it's such a beautiful place. You know, it's oh, yeah. c- central Oregon. It's like, it's actually dry ish here, which is great. You know, we have, I'm like trying to like make a commercial for Ben for people to come out. <laughs> but seriously, it's a really wonderful spot. Um, so we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, thank you, man. Uh, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. So where, where do people find more about you? People, I would absolutely suggest everyone go out and grab the one thing. It's helped me out a lot. And uh, just what, where do people link up with you? Well, it's easy to find Jay Papazan on the web, right? My Facebook, Twitter, if they have questions, I'm happy to answer them on 
on social channels, but the place to go would be the one thing.com and it's the number one thing.com. It'll have links to all of the book and lots of free tools to use it. Awesome. Cool, man. Another thing that I'm noticing is you're standing up as we're talking, which is very cool. Oh yeah, I, you I got that. that. More, more people need to do that more often. All right. Yeah, it was part of my, my healing journey for my physical health. I found I burned more calories when I stood up all day and I feel better. My back doesn't hurt. Yeah, burn more calories and generally the latter part. You feel better. You yeah. know, it's like you get to move, you get to express. As we were talking, you're moving your hands. Da, da, da. You know, it's like you're going through that physical expression at a yeah. physiological level. That's changing your long-term health. Just something to think about for people. So thank you for that. Oh, yeah. that's, that's great. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Align Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show, and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you can find my blog. You can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body. You can check out the online coaching where we work work out how to optimize your movement practice so that you can live optimally and pain-free for the rest of your life. As well, be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist, a massage therapist, all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.